Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. We're going to look at a couple of places tonight. If you would, turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 and uh, put your finger there. And then we're going to look at Romans chapter 12. And uh, Sunday I begin, uh, I'm going to get back to our series on the fruit of the Spirit uh, next week. But I'm going to... I'm going to lead in tonight. I want to talk some more tonight on mind wars, the renewing of our minds. And, uh, you know, uh, just a few weeks ago, the Lord began to lay on my heart um, about my own personal mindset, um, about my own personal thought life and mindset, and, um, and just, begin to, just begin to search the Word and begin to study on renewing of the mind. And, uh, but I want to... Um, I made a statement on Sunday. I said, our lives are moving into the direction of our strongest thoughts. And that's true tonight. Our lives will move into the direction of our strongest thoughts that are in our lives. What we think shapes who we are. And that's true. The life we have now, the life we live now, the life we have now, uh, really is a result of our, our mindset, of the way that we think. And, uh, and that is so true. And, and I think there is a, a key to the reason why some Christians uh, have lived less victorious than what they uh, would desire to. I think there's a couple of reasons. I think our mindset, the renewing of our mind, and I think we, have, we, may, we may get to it tonight. My hope is to get into the mindsets that, that bring uh, destruction or, or brain hindrance to the Christian life. There are four of them. Uh, there's the carnal mind. Um, there's the corrupt mind. There's the, uh, the darkened mind. And then there's the debased mind. All, all four of those are a process of thinking. Uh, and so what happens is when we, when we allow the carnal mind, our mind to be carnal or worldly, for long periods of time, it moves from a carnal mind to a corrupt mind. When our minds become corrupt and it maintains for a long time, then our minds become darkened. We lose our understanding. And then the last state is what much of the world lives in today, what I would call Romans 1, which is a debased mind, uh, which is a completely uh, uh, unregenerated mind, void of truth, and not have the ability to receive truth. But I, I want to look at Ephesians 4, 8. This is the Apostle Paul speaking here. And I want us to see a couple of things tonight. And I want to talk a little bit about and pick up a little bit of it on what we were talking about Sunday and move that forward just a little bit. Um, in verse 8, beginning in verse 8, I want us to read, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble... Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And we're going to talk about that in a minute about meditating. What does it mean to meditate on these things? The things which you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do and the God of peace will be with you. Let's look at uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. We read this on Sunday. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is a powerful scripture. We talked about be not conformed or do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. But be transformed. The word is metamorphous. It means to be transformed into something different. It means a metamorphosis, going from one uh, manifestation to another. And, and it means to morph into something by the renewing of your mind. What triggers the transformation? The renewing of our mind. And the renewing of our mind has the ability to transform our lives. The way we think has the ability to transform our very lives and to make a transformation that is in us that we may what? That we may prove what is good and acceptable, but the primary thing is the perfect will of God. 
And we're going to look at that in just a little bit. But I want us to see a couple of things. Here in Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul, he lists how we should, things we should think on. And he gives us that list in, in most of verse 8. Uh, he tells us that we should think on those things that are true, what are things that are noble or honorable, things that are just or right, uh, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever things are of good report, uh, virtue, anything that's praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So Paul tells us how we are to think. That should be the meditation of our heart. That's how we should think. But then he tells us this. Not only is there this thought life, but through our thought life, it produces this action. When you think on these things, Paul said this. He said, he said verse 9, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me. In other words, Paul said, not just think on these things, but do them. Do those things. Do what is right. Do what is honorable. Do what is noble. Uh, do what is just. Do what is pure. In other words, uh, those things that are praiseworthy, those things that, are, that are, uh, uh, have virtue, think upon these things. Paul said you are to act on these, that you are to put these into practice. And the thing is, when your mind is renewed and you begin to think on these things, you begin to act on them and begin to do them, then what happens is the peace of God will come upon your life. There's the experience. Paul said when your mind thinks upon these things, when you take actions in them, the experience is that the peace of God will be with you. How many are glad that the peace of God is with you tonight and that God produces his peace in our lives and he does it by our actions and our deeds through our mindset. This is interesting as I was reading and have done some research that did you know that eating disorders, relational challenges, addictions, um, um, uh, depression, anxiety, uh, they say is rooted um, in, in, the, in the faulty and negative patterns of thinking. That these things are rooted in the negative, uh, faulty patterns of thinking in our life produces these things. Eating disorders, relationship challenges, addictions, uh, depression, anxiety are rooted in a negative pattern of thinking. They believe that most people who carry a negative pattern of thinking will, will be challenged with some of these um, things. In other words, we can't change what we don't confront in our lives. I didn't say this Sunday, but I, I wanted to say it tonight. A lie believed is truth will affect your life as if it were true. In other words, a lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. So the lies the enemy tells us in our minds some of our negative mindset that we think about when, we're, when our minds are not renewed and we allow the enemy to tell us lies that get embedded in our mindset, the way we think, we begin to believe those lies. But not the dangerous part is not that we just believe the lies. What happens is, is that we begin to live in our life as though those lies were true. We live them out as though they're true, even though they're lies. And so we live them as, as they were true. And so we, we fill our minds with those things. Romans 12, 2, as we read, be not conformed to the patterns of this world. In other words, do not think like this world. Do not act like this world. Do not behave like this world. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And... Uh, Sunday, we talked a little bit about the neuropathways that take place in our brains. Every time you think a thought, you're creating a new pattern of thought. In other words, a mental trail is, is being made in your mind. And so your experiences uh, or thoughts are wiring and programming your brain. So every time 
uh, when the way you think creates patterns of thought in your brains, and you literally create pathways in your brain, and you, you begin to build a, a mental trail in your mind. It, it's it, it's sort of similar like this, and um, it's kind of like a baby. When a baby uh, smiles and sees its mom or dad smile at it, and you know how we do, goo goo gaga, and the baby will smile at us, what's that doing? That's building neural pathways that baby recognizes that smiling is good, right? So it's, it's making a pathway. If that child touches something hot, you know, they cry, they know that it's hot. What's that do? That's built a, a neural pathway in their brain that says, don't do that. That's hot, right? Um, uh, you, we've all experienced this. Your child wants something. They want a sucker. And, and the mom says, no, you can't have a sucker. And that baby will cry, right? Uh, cry or if, if you, you know, or throw a fit like mine would at times. Uh, and then the mom or dad gives in and gives them the sucker, right? What they do, they just reinforced a mental uh, uh, thought pattern that that child knows that if it doesn't get what it wants, it can cry and it'll get what it wants. Now, who's the sucker now? We are. <laughs> We're the ones that are the suckers. And because they've learned that behavior, their, their brain has created a pathway or pattern that makes them, that lets them know that that thought and they can react a certain way because of their thought. And so uh, the more we think a thought, it's easier to think that thought again. So the more we think of a particular thought or a particular way of thinking or pattern of thinking, it, the lot easier it is to think that thought again because we have built these neural pathways to where we reinforce those thoughts. And so, and so, and so what happens is um, the more dominant that a thought becomes, um, the more you think about it. So the more we think about a thought or, the, or a way of thinking, the more that way of thinking becomes dominant in our lives because we have thought on it more, mostly, and so that thought pattern becomes dominant in our life. It almost becomes a default in our life. And what happens is if we think certain ways for long periods of time, then our mind creates these, these patterns where uh, when a particular thing happens to us, instead of thinking positively about it or, 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 or spiritual about it or put it in the right perspective according to God's word, sometimes what happens is we default to whatever that dominant thought that we've been thinking about in our life. That's great news if we're thinking on truth, Right? Because the more we think about God's word, the more we think about God's truth, the more dominant it becomes in our life. And so when we hit situations, uh, our default is the word of God. Our default is the principle of God. And it's not the negative patterns of thoughts that sometimes we have. But that's bad news if, if you think on the lies. And so... Uh, and what happens is when we think negatively or we believe the lies of the enemy that the enemy tries to tell us, they become strongholds in our life and we have wired our minds, our minds have been crossed and, and so that is the reason why there's times we think irrationally because what we've done is we believe the lie of the enemy about ourselves or about a situation so long that in that situation, we become irrational in our thinking about it, right? I mean, we become, we, it, it creates a pattern. Now, um, I'm going to tell on myself tonight and, and you know, just forgive me. <laughs> and, um, but I, I have this thing about being on time. I, I'm, a, I'm an on-time guy. I, I, matter of fact, I'm not only on time, I'm early, or I try to be early. And that's kind of this big issue with me, you know. But my wife, as loving as I love her, being on time is not always 
you know, her highest priority. And so um, in my mind, when we have to be somewhere as a couple, I'm always thinking, well, we've got to leave at this certain time in order to get there, right? And so I know that if she's not ready to go at that time, if we leave any later than that, we're going to be late. And so in my mind, I've always had this pattern, well, if we don't leave by this time, we're just going to be late, and it throws me into this stress point. I don't know why, it just does. And, and so I remember not too long ago, we were, we were going somewhere, and, and we were driving, it was an hour away that we were going, and I knew we had to leave by this time, and, um, and you know, she had gone and got her nails done, and got some beauty beauty things done. How many know, guys, it's good that your wives use the beauty products? And uh, she had gotten her nails done, and, and I'm at home, and I know that if we don't leave by this time, we're going to be late, and I hate being late. And so she came home, and it was really, actually, she came home, we had time to get there. It just it wasn't my, I set a time in my mind that we should leave. And so she came later than that time. But we still had time to get there. It was just my way of thinking. And so I'm like, you know, we're going to be late. We're going to be late. And so my default is like, well, I'm just not going to go. We're just not going to go now. And it's like, she's like, we got time. We'll be there before it. But what happened was is that I have created this mindset that you know, if I don't leave a certain time, if I'm not there at a certain time early, that, you know, something's wrong. And, and I've created these patterns of thinking. And in my mind, I'm just like, well, I just might, might as well not even go, you know, and I'm not going to be late. I'm going to be there on time. It's just not earlier than what I thought. But that's what we do. Sometimes we create these patterns of thinking in our mind and our mind becomes this battlefield that is in our lives. And we struggle with this war, this battle that goes on because we've wired our brains. We've wired the way we think. Um, and, and so God wants to renew our minds. God wants to continue to renew our minds. But some of you, there's a battle that goes on in your minds of things that are, uh, that are truth and the word of God and how you think about yourself. And you contradict what the word says about you. And you believe the lie that the enemy has told you. Which is not true. Sunday we talked about 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to read that to you. 2 Corinthians 10, the beginning of verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For what? For the pulling down of strongholds. Now, what's a stronghold? We talked about what a stronghold was. The word there is the Greek word um, stronghold. It means a fortress or a walled city. It means a, um, a it, it actually means, you know, where the devil has attacked us in our minds. We built up a stronghold. And uh, it's a, it is a, it is a, a belief or a lie that we set up that takes us away from the purpose or the will of God in our life. But it says for the pulling down of strongholds, the strongholds are the wrong patterns of thinking or you know, when our wires have been crossed in our life. But the Bible says we have a weapon, a divine power. And if you read the NIV, it says demolishes strongholds that set up against the knowledge or the arguments of God. And we are to take these thoughts captive. Every thought. That we are to take every thought captive. Now, the Bible is telling us here that we are to take every thought captive. Why does that, why does that matter, every thought? Because your, your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thought. Because what comes in your mind comes out of your life. What flows through our mind comes out of our life. We can't have a positive life with a negative mind. And if you don't control what you think, 
you'll never control what you do. How many believe that? If we don't control what we think, if we don't have control over what gets in our spirit and in our mind, we'll never have control over what we do. And so, how do we discipline our mind? How do we discipline our mind? I want to talk a second about disciplining our mind. Now, you know, some of us, when we think about discipline, some of us have disciplined our bodies. We think about how do we discipline our bodies? Well, we say we discipline our bodies if we would do exercise, right? And then how we discipline our bodies by doing exercise. There's a lot of uh, ladies in our church that have, have spent time changing their lifestyle and, and, uh, by exercising. I know Mary, you know, she, she has, how, many, how, much, how much weight have you lost? 85 pounds. Isn't that amazing? Praise God. You know, by just putting discipline in her life. Ken's lost over 100 pounds, and Cassie has lost weight, and, and uh, where's Liz? Liz has lost a bunch of weight also. She's lost over 100 pounds. And so we, we use discipline to exercise, and, and you know we do it with exercise. They do it with exercise. But how many know that there was, there was a time, I, Pastor Adam, when he first came here, he was working out all the time. I mean, working out all the time. But we would go eat lunch, and he would get mashed potatoes, french fries, and corn. <laughs> and get a dessert. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, aren't you nullifying what you're doing? But yet he's still losing weight. And I'm like, and getting in shape. And I thought, he's disciplined by doing exercise. But how, how many know, as you get older and you get over 40, you begin to realize uh, it's, not, it's not the discipline of exercise. It also is about what you put in. Not only what you put out, but what you put in. And how many know that you get 40 or 50, you can't eat like that and work out and lose weight, right? Because it's, it's what you put in. It's the same way in discipline our minds. You know, it's not just how we, we've been thinking, but also what we've poured into our minds. And, and that, that can discipline our mind to continue to believe the wrong things. I mean, we can discipline our minds with truth, and it's not just what you do it with, but what you put in your brain and in your mind. What you read, what you allow in your spirit, what you allow to move into your mind, what you, what you allow to feed your mind and your spirit, what you listen to, what you allow to get in you. And what happens is, is that most believers live in the realm of, of carnality in their life. We live in that realm of carnality where we have the mindset, a carnal mindset, where we uh, live carnal and it affects the way we think. But we have to understand that uh, we have to discipline our minds by what we allow in our spirit, by what we put in our spirit, what we put in our mind, what we think upon, what we meditate on. I love reading through the New Testament. When I got saved, I read through the New Testament several times. I mean, I just was constantly reading through the, the New Testament. And I really believe that helped me change my mindset and a lot of things with the Lord. I believe my mind got renewed by reading through the New Testament when I first got saved. I read through the New Testament about six times in just a few months. And I was reading every day. And I could, I could tell the Spirit of God getting in my mind and my spirit. Because what does it do? It begins to, it begins to transform the outside. When the Word of God gets in your mind and gets in your spirit... All of a sudden, there's a transformation that takes place on the outside, and you begin to prove the will of God in your life. And it's a powerful thing. But when you read through the New Testament, you begin to see this progression that the Apostle Paul has taken place in his life and ministry. And you even see the Apostle Paul in the renewing of his mind from the time of Acts 9 when he gets converted all the way through, you begin to see even his mindset begins to change. We read Philippians 
And you have to understand that when you read that passage of Scripture, you know, uh, what is mind-blowing about that is that Paul was writing that from a Roman prison. He's locked up on house arrest. You know, that's the context from which Paul was writing Philippians 4.8. He's in a terrified place, and he's really there waiting to be executed. He's there waiting to be executed. He writes that passage of Scripture from prison, and, and he says this, he says, finally, brethren, in verse 8, and if you have the living translation, it says this, uh, um, one final thing, he says, but he goes through and begins to list, think uh, whatever things are true, and he begins to give this list, but here's what he doesn't say. He didn't say, God let me down. I'm here in this prison and God has let me down. He didn't say, I can't go on with life. And he didn't say, things couldn't get any worse for me right now. Why didn't he say those things? He didn't say those things because he was coming from a renewed mind. He was saying, when you think, think on these things, he said. Finally, brethren, one, one thing, and, and it goes on to say, um, Fix your thoughts. Finally, brethren, uh, in the in a, in, in NLT translation, it says, fix your thoughts on what is true, what is noble, what is, uh, uh, what is just or what is right. And he didn't say, fix your thoughts on um, the worst case scenario, what you hate, what could go wrong what you're afraid of. Paul said, and to meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. And so when we think of meditation, we all always go to, we all think new age, right? When you hear meditation, we, our minds always go to the new age meditation, you know, you know, where you sit and cross your legs and, you know, I don't know what, hum, whatever you do. I mean, I've seen some, Weird things, people doing some weird things. But that's not biblical meditation. Actually, the, the definition of meditation is to engage in mental exercise, to focus on one's thoughts, to focus. Um, really, it means to focus on God's truth, to focus on God's word. Paul here, meditate on these things. That's a powerful statement, to meditate on these things. And Psalms 119.15 says this, Lord, I will meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. In other words, what is David saying? He's saying, Lord, I'm disciplining my mind on your truth. And what we have to understand tonight is, is that we have to discipline, we have to meditate our minds on God's truth. If our thinking is going to change, we have to learn how to meditate on the word of God. We have to learn how to meditate on truth, how to engage and focus and have the exercise of focus of our thoughts on God's word so that we can continually meditate on his word. Psalms 143.5 says this, meditate on... I meditate on all your works and consider what your hand has done. To meditate, to focus on, to discipline my thinking or to discipline my life. Now, Middle Eastern meditation, the discipline is to focus on emptying your mind, to focus on a state of calm uh, and such. So that's Middle Eastern thinking is that when you meditate, you're, you're emptying your mind. You're, you're emptying yourself. And you focus on being calm. But biblical meditation is not emptying yourself. It's filling your, it's filling your mind with truth. It's, it's fixing your mind. It's disciplining it. It's filling up with something. When we meditate on God's word, we're filling up on God's word. And sometimes many of us our minds need to be deprogrammed from the focus of things that are not true and focus on what is true. And what is true tonight? 
God's word is true. His word is true. And if we meditate and focus on God's word and, and, and meditate on these things, these things will begin to change the way we think and the patterns of the way that we think. God wants to change our mindset and bring renewal to our minds to focus on what is true. You know, I, I've noticed this about myself. When, when my mind begins to drift, usually it's not on things that are true, <laughs> right? When my mind begins to drift, it's usually on my insecurities, my fears, the worst case scenarios of my life, the lies of the, the enemy has spoken over us or to us in our spirit. You know, we think and we, 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 is there anybody in here that you, um, it, because I do, that you struggle in periods of time, you will self-talk yourself into uh, a way of thinking. In other words, you'll, you'll, there'll be something that is on your mind and you will self-talk yourself into the worst case scenario of that thing. You will literally talk yourself to the worst case that could happen and you're living it as though that's true. I got the right crowd tonight because I, I might be the only one that does that. And so what happens is you'll self-talk yourself to the place to where you're so worked up in your spirit about it that you're living something mentally and physically that has not even happened yet, but you have thought it to happen and you're living it as though it's true in your life. And it's not happened yet. Right? I mean, we, we can do that. We can work ourselves into that place. But we, God can begin to help us to exercise our minds or discipline our minds, pouring into our spirit. Sunday, I asked you a question. I said, what stronghold is holding you back? I asked you to define the stronghold or the lie that you believe that is holding you back. For some of you, what is the mindset that's your biggest obstacle that you have in your life? Some of you may have grew up in a poor setting, and so poverty is something that is in your mindset. You always believe you're going to be poor. Maybe it's, maybe it's uh, uh, you know, uh, your health. Maybe you never feel like you're going to be healthy or can be close to God or that your marriage could ever be blessed. It's, it's a place, it's this place of hopelessness with something. But the Bible says, and I told you that when you figure that what that was, that defined a scripture or a truth that demolishes that stronghold. That is a lie. Some of you may feel like you, you're never going to amount to anything or you're never going to be able to do certain things or a lie that you know, you're going to be single all your life or you're going to be this or you're going to be that or you believe this lie of the enemy and it's a stronghold that's in your life. It's a big stronghold and it holds you back from the greater things that God has for you. But what we need to do is find the truth that demolishes that stronghold. Why? Because his word does what? It transforms us when we meditate on it. And so... When we find that truth that demolishes that stronghold, we need to begin to confess that truth and begin to read and meditate on that truth. It will change your life. It will really change your life. If you'll find that stronghold, to start thinking on it, confessing it over your life. And so I shared with you on Sunday that you know, what I started doing was, is that I began to identify some of these strongholds in my own life, and I began to find scriptures that demolished that thought life or demolished that way of thinking so that I can begin to create new uh, neuropathways in my thought life because there's times I have believed some things that are not true in my life. 
You know, um, when I became a Christian, it brought a real shock to my family. Because I didn't just get saved, I got radically saved. And it totally transformed my life. I mean, I preached to dogs. I mean, I, I tried to convert anything that moved. And there was such a transformation in my life, personally. And of course, people couldn't believe it because I was so messed up before I got saved. And people would say, it ain't going to last long. Shane's just in a phase. He's just, he's, his crutch is religion now. It was, it was smoking dope, but now it's religion. You know, it was drinking, but now it's religion. He's going he's gonna to go on this religious path for a little while. And, uh, and so when I got saved, I, I, uh, I was living in my father's house and in my father's home. And how many know words have power? Words have power for you. And, um, you know, and I told you the story, some of the things I did that, you know, upset my dad. <laughs> I knew my dad to drive my dad crazy because I was always playing worship music loud in the house. You know, that frustrated him. You know, I was always talking Jesus and, you know, that frustrated him. I knew it frustrated him to no end. And, uh, but I remember uh, one evening he came home and, uh, I had been out, I'd been to church, I'd been doing some things, and I was watching Christian television, you know, when he came in. And, uh, and so I remember um, he came in and he had been drinking. My father was an alcoholic, and uh, he, was a, he was a huge alcoholic. He was a functioning alcoholic. He could drink all the time, but yet still function. I don't know if you ever lived in a home like that, but my dad could drink all the time, and he, he could be drunk, but he could function. And so he came home, and he was drunk. And, and I don't know what started it, but he, he was just upset at me. And he just began to belittle me. And uh, I'll never forget the words that he said to me. How many know words that say to you can hurt you? And you can believe them even if they're lies, right? And I remember he had said something to me. And uh, in his anger, and he said something to me, and it cut right through my heart. I mean, just cut right through my heart. I mean, here's my father. I thought my dad would be happy that I got saved because that way I stopped stealing money from him. I stopped, <laughs> I stopped doing certain you know, things that were you know, kind of corrupt. And uh, um, I thought he'd be happy that I straightened some things out. And how I many know everything wasn't perfectly straightened out? But, um, but he said some words to me that just went right through my heart. I could hear him today as just as though they were, though he was standing right here. I'll never, I'll never forget those words. But you know, I carried those words. And for the long time, I took those words on. And I walked through life believing them. Knowing it was the enemy trying to prophesy over my life something that wasn't true. And, and I took those words and I began to believe those words and I began to walk, those, I began to walk that out. And, and I remember what he said and it just every time God would do something good in my life, it was like those words were right there that would just try to challenge the goodness of God in my life. Maybe you've had situations like that where people have been have said words that have cut you to the heart. You know? How many know the closest people to you know how to get your goat? <laughs> they know how to say what they need to say in order to get to you, right? I mean, we know that. We know the power of words and how powerful they are. And I thought to myself as I thought through that, I thought was thinking about that today and this week and I thought how I had to take those, there was a time I had to take those words captive. And I had to demolish them with the truth of the word of God. You know, and that's part of what I've done the last couple of weeks is taking words like that and putting truth to it. And saying, this is what the enemy has said, but this is what God's word says. And begin to confess those words. Begin to confess and begin to break those words and strongholds that try to take hold of my life and fortify my life into a particular place.
And some of you are like that. The renewing of our mind is that we have to discipline our mind, bring discipline to our lives, to focus on what is true. And so when I asked you Sunday to pick that stronghold, I really wanted you to do that. And, and, and what I've done is, is I've gone a step further in that I have wrote a declaration over my life. I've taken the word of God and then I, I've, I've taken the word of God and I've applied it to those strongholds that I felt like in my life were there, you know, and I, I told you a, a little bit about, about that, a little bit about the, the things that, that I've always struggled with, even now. And so what I did was, is I went and I began to write these, dec- I wrote this declaration over my life. And every day I, I say this declaration and then I pray those scriptures over my life, over those areas that I feel are strongholds over my life. And I begin to make declarations. And so every morning I get up and I have uh, a paragraph of declaration that I declare over my life. And then I take the word of God and I declare those scriptures over my life because I'm going to break the strongholds that try to bring my thought life into captivity. Because I'm not going to believe the lie. You don't have to believe the lie tonight. God has set us free from every negative pattern of thought that's in your life. God has set you free tonight. He can set you free tonight. And so I, I write it down. I think it and I confess it until I believe it. I write it down. I write that, that, that declaration down. I write it down and, you know, over my life, I write that declaration down. Then I think on it. I confess it until I believe it. Until I begin to believe what I'm confessing. What am I doing? I'm creating new neuropathways in my thinking and the way I think. I'm renewing my mind. I want to encourage you to take the process, take the steps of the process of renewing your mind every day. Because all of us think things about ourselves that are lies of the enemy that are not true. That the enemy has told you. For instance, let me just give you a couple. If you're struggling to know God's will in your life, this might be a declaration that you might write down. You might write down, my life belongs to God. Daily I seek him. And daily he he, uh, directs my steps. I know his voice and he leads me to his perfect will. Right? If you'll confess that every day, if you'll write it down, confess it, and, and say it until you believe it and take a word of God that demolishes the lie that you're never going to find God's will for your life and demolish that thing with the scripture, God will begin to renew your mind. Maybe you're here and, and you struggle with confidence. You could say something like, my confidence is in Christ and Christ alone because his spirit lives within me. And I can do everything he's called me to do. That's your confession. That's your declaration. And find scriptures that demolish the lie that that try to diminish your confidence in God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? How many know you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you? And so... If you're struggling with confidence, if you're fighting lustful thoughts, let's just get real, okay? If you're fighting lustful thoughts, this could be your declaration. I am not a slave to lustful thoughts because God has purified my mind. I will honor him with my eyes and my thoughts. My God is faithful even if I'm tempted. He will always give me a way out. How many know... 2 Corinthians 10 tells us that if we we put our minds on him, he will, when we are tempted, he is faithful to provide a way for us out 
if we, and we need to confess scriptures like that. Begin to confess the word of God, my heart, you know, purity scriptures, those things in our lives. Maybe you're here and you worry a lot. Maybe you're here and food is your comfort. Hallelujah. And so we understand that through the renewing of our minds, I want to read a passage of scripture to you. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, and I'll, I'll wrap up with this tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. Remember we said in Proverbs 23, 7, it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, right? And we said the word, interesting word, the word thinks there in Hebrew means how he thinks within himself. He calculates, he estimates value, and that it means to be the gatekeeper. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, we're gatekeepers of our own minds. We're gatekeepers of how we think. And the battle is real in our minds. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. I want to read this to you. It says, this is the Apostle Paul here speaking. He says, but I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by the craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, Paul is saying here, he is concerned that the craftiness of the enemy, that Satan himself would come and, and deceive us like he did Eve by his craftiness, that how he deceived Eve, that he would also, so our minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. What is Paul saying there? That Satan would come and deceive and corrupt our minds, or bring corrupt thinking into our minds. That would pull us away from the simplicity that is in Christ. The simple, genuine, focused life of trusting and walking with Jesus. In other words, the enemy wants to bring, to corrupt our minds so that we lose the simplicity of walking as Christians and walking out the Christian life. If he can corrupt our minds into believing and thinking a certain way, that is why it's important that we stay with the process of being renewed in our life. Renewed from what? From a carnal mind, a corrupt mind, a darkened mind, a debased mind. So that what? That we may prove, the word prove, prove the will of God, Romans 12, 2, that we may prove the will of God. It means to, to prove means to discern the will of God. If we allow the enemy to corrupt our minds with wrong thinking, what it does is it keeps us, it keeps the will of God from being proved in our life, being discernible in our life. There's no transformation in our life. There's no ability to walk out. And there's no, there's no proving of the will of God in our life. There's no transformation that takes place. No carnal, you know, the uh, carnality of our mind. When we talk about the carnal mind, what are we talking about? We're talking about the natural mind. With all its brokenness, rebellion towards God, its sinfulness. It means the mind, when we go back to the garden, we're born in the sin with a broken carnal mind. When, when we were born in the sin, you're born with a carnal mind. Romans 8, 5 through 8 tells us, to be carnal-minded is death. To be carnal-minded is enmity towards God. It says the carnal mind sets its mind on the things of the flesh. And so the, the, what, why is the devil trying to get you in the wrong thinkings of patterns of thinking? Because he wants you to live carnally as a Christian, not free as a Christian. Not pure as a Christian or holy as a Christian. He wants your mind to be carnal. He wants you to focus on the things of the flesh. And the Bible tells us 
that those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh and means to fix your opinion. This kind of thinking will bring nothing but produce... It says, it says that carnal-mindedness produces death. What type of death? It's, the, it's a spiritual death. We become... We come to this place where we are, you know, uh, come to this place where we're no longer moved by the presence of God. Spiritual things die in our lives. The flesh doesn't produce anything in what it promises. How many know the flesh doesn't produce what it promises? To live in sin, it never promises what you think it's going to promise. When we were lost in the world and not living for God, we put our trust in the flesh. And how many know it never delivered anything that was worth having, right? The lust of our minds never produced anything that was worth having. Our carnal lifestyles never produced anything that was worth having. But the truth today is this, is that God has freed us from the carnal mind And we can now be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That renewing that takes place, how? By the disciplining our minds by the word of God. And I want to challenge you tonight. I hope some of you will. We'll sit down this week and write out the biggest stronghold that's in your mind. The biggest challenge, the stronghold that is challenging for you in your mind. And begin to find the scripture, the truth, that that demolishes that thought. I shared with you Sunday what mine was. I've always struggled. I've always had the insecurity. You know, and this this had always been a part of my life. I'd always had this thought of thinking, am I enough? Do I have enough? You know... I always feel like I'm letting someone down. Insecure as a husband, as a dad. That when I disappoint, I'm always filled with the guilt and the shame of that. There are times that I've always struggled where I put my priorities in places where it shouldn't be. That if I put my priorities somewhere, I, 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 you know, I put too much time into doing that and I neglect something else. And so this is a struggle that was always a part of my life. It was always something that was there. There was always the guilt of that. There was always the guilt of... You know, if I gave too much to the church, I was, I was, you know, not giving enough as a husband and giving enough as a father. If I paid attention to my family, then I wasn't giving the church enough. Pastor Adam, if you come, I'll close with this tonight. I'm going to tell you just a little testimony. And I will say that God is, God is beginning to free me from those mindsets. Because I believe the scripture says I am enough. That I am enough. When you begin to believe patterns like that, you begin to do things that are outside God's will for your life. I'll tell you something that happened one time. It's one of the biggest regrets I have as a, as a husband and as a father. We were pastoring in Arkansas, and uh, we pastored a really good church. It was a good church. It was really great people that were in that church. The church was one of the most gifted churches that I had ever been around or even pastored. Very, really a, a lot of talented people that were in the church, and uh, it was a really great community, and uh, you know, we liked the church. It had a really strong Christian school. And they were, just, they were just really good people. Well, you know, when I took the church, I never really thought that I was equipped enough to really carry it on or to handle it, that it might have been 
too much for me to take on. That was a lie, of course. And God had prepared me all my life for that, but I was believing in myself that I wasn't enough. And so, because I believed I wasn't enough, I always felt like I had to be pleasing. I had to please man all the time. I felt like I always had to please everybody else above my family, even above my family. To the point to where I would do things irrationally that didn't make sense because I wanted to please man. It was a pattern of thinking I had. Growing up, I never thought that I ever pleased my father, I ever pleased my family. I never thought that I had ever, you know, was enough or good enough. Never had good enough grades. Never had, you all know what I'm talking about? I don't know if I'm making sense to you. I'm making sense to me, but I don't know if I'm making sense to you. And, um, but there was a, uh, just being honest with you, there was a man in the church that, um, you know, just between us, he was, you know, there was, there was some, he had some ethical issues in his life. But, you know, he had this stronghold on the church. He was a leader and he was somebody that, you know, um, everybody felt like they had to please all the time. And I began to think that way. And uh, he had a son, and his son had, uh, was married, and his, and his daughter-in-law was pregnant with twins. And they had challenges throughout the pregnancy. And uh, we, where we lived in southern Arkansas, we were about an hour and a half or two hours away from really the major medical center, which was Little Rock in Little Rock, Arkansas. And it was a good drive. It was a, it was a good drive. And they've had challenges, and every time something would happen, they would end up in the hospital. You know, I would go. I mean, that's what pastors do, go and pray for them and be with them. And um, so these, she had gotten really, they were going to take the babies early. The babies got in distress. They were going to take the babies early. And um, so they went to Little Rock, and, um, and so... They got up there and I called and they said, well, you know, they're not, they're not sure what they're going to do yet, and, um, but they think she's going to be okay. And, and so, so I was battling whether or not to come or not, to go. It was one of those things where should I go, should I not go? Uh, they said she was doing okay. But in my mind, I had built this scenario that if I don't go, they're going to fire me as a pastor. You know, I mean, it was a total lie, the enemy, but I believed it. You know, I believed it in my mind. It was a stronghold that was in my mind. And I can't even tell you the battle that had gone on there. But I, I, went, I went and stayed for several hours. And nothing, you know, and, but the thing was is that it was my wife's birthday. And I was so driven by that mindset that I had to be there, I had to help everybody, that, you know, I had to, you know, that it affected the way that I responded to my family and to my wife. And so I spent the day in Little Rock at a hospital with folks who I don't even think they like me. <laughs> and, you know, I don't think they even care much for us, you know. But I was there because I felt like, I believed this lie that if I did not do it, you know, something bad was going to happen, which would, you know, which was a lie, you know. But I dismissed the priority of honoring my wife on her birthday. And it was something that later on I realized I thought, what an idiot. You know, what a knucklehead. You know what I mean? And uh, and so it was a it was a real it was a real struggle, but I could only imagine how it made her feel, you know? And so I had promised myself I would never do that again. You know, we have to create, we have to get through these mindsets that become strongholds in our life. And sometimes they make us act and do things irrational because we're not whole in the way we think. 
Stand with me if you would. I don't know if that makes sense to y'all. I just want you to know that was a struggle that I had, you know. But I want you to know tonight, God has set you free from the torment of the devil that has lied to you and told you things about yourself that is not even true. And he's delivered us from a carnal mind. He's freed us tonight. And some of us have not stepped into everything God has for us because our mindsets have kept us back. Oh, I'm just not talented enough. I'm not good enough. I can't do that. No one will ever love me. I'll never find a husband. I'll never find a wife. I'll never, you know, I'm never, I can never please. I can never be good enough. I can never do good enough. Somebody told me I was stupid when I was younger and I believed that I was stupid. I'm here to tell you it's a lie tonight. It's a lie of the enemy. It's a lie of the devil. But thank God, by his mercy, that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. I really believe if some of you will begin to identify these things in your life, and begin to speak the truth over the lie, that there'll be a freedom that comes over you like you've never felt before. I'm telling you, I'm feeling freer than I've ever felt in years mentally. I'm just telling you, I'm beginning to feel as free as I've ever felt because I'm dealing with some of the strongholds that I've let labels people put on you sometimes. But God is renewing our minds. My father said to me, he said, you are a loser. You will always be a loser. And there's, no, there's not enough religion that could ever change that about you. The devil is a liar. <laughs> the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. And y'all, don't get me wrong. I love my father. My father was a great provider. He was always at every... He was there for me. He had his own challenges. He'd come hear me preach, and he'd sit, he'd sit in services. Laura will tell you this. He'd come and hear me preach. He'd sit in services and just weep and cry and just get up and run out of the meeting. Just the conviction of the Holy Spirit was on him. I knew the Lord was dealing with him. As far as I know, he never gave his life to the Lord. I wake up with that all the time, with the thoughts. Of, and the enemy lies to me and says, well, you're such a preacher, how come you couldn't win your father to the Lord? How I many you know a man rules over his own spirit? <laughs> We're just responsible for the message. I want to pray over you, pray over your mind tonight. Father, I speak life over every individual that's in this room. God, I know that there are things that people have said, and I know the enemy has used words of others against them. And for so long, some of them have believed those lies, but I break them now in the name of Jesus. And I pray that they'll be renewed by the transformation of their mind. That there's a renewing that's going on even right now as we speak. 
Some even think that they're not smart or that they're not capable of stepping into even some of the greatest dreams they have. I'm here to call the devil a liar. They can be what God says they can be. And they can do what God says they can do. Wash our minds. Wash their minds tonight. Replace it with truth. I pray that God, they will come up with a declaration that they wake up every day and say, God, I declare over my life that I am enough. That I can do what you ask me to do. My mind is on you. My mind is on Jesus, who's the author and finisher of my faith. I will not turn to the right or to the left. I will not let people speak into my life that don't have the right to do so. I will believe your word over my carnal thinking, over every seed the enemy places in my heart. I pray, God, that you'll wash away and renew our minds from regret and from a simplicity of failure where we feel we fail. And I pray there'll be a renewing strength that enters into their body. We thank you for the hope that we have that's in Jesus. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that's in this room right now. I believe there are those that are being renewed and being changed even at this moment. I pray the Word of God will be their strength, be their anchor, and be their hope. We thank you, God, that you've delivered us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.